Got true love. 
Good morning. My name is Chris. Uh, my name is Kristen Parrish, and my pronouns are she and her. I'm a member of your board of trustees, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to worship at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As we begin, we honor the Piscataway people and their ancestors. It is upon their land that we reside. We are served by the Reverend Paige Getty, minister, as well as a talented and dedicated team of religious educators and other professional staff. Much appreciation goes out to the many lay leaders and volunteers whose incredible efforts and dedication help to keep us connected. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, whoever you love, and whatever your faith tradition, you are welcome here. We particularly welcome any guests joining worship this morning. We encourage you to fill out the visitors form in the lobby or online and connect with others in the virtual or in-person social hour after the service so that we may meet and welcome you. Finally, for those attending worship in our sanctuary at Owen Brown Interfaith Center this morning, please take a moment to silence your cell phones and other electronic devices. We have one announcement today and one special message. So for our very important announcement, a reminder that there will be a special congregational meeting immediately after the service this morning to vote on the ordination of Dr. Laura Solomon into the UU ministry. This meeting will be brief, but important. So we hope you'll stay logged on if you're joining us virtually or remain in the sanctuary if you're here in person. Thank you. And now we have a special message from Reverend Page. Thank you, Kristen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Paige Getty. I use the pronouns she, her, and hers, and it is my great privilege to serve as minister of this congregation. None of us needs reminding that it has been a really challenging couple of pandemic years. And it has been especially challenging for anyone who has the responsibility for children's care and well-being. Parents, teachers, bless you, Kristen, and others who are educators, school administrators, and our own religious educators. I'm so grateful for the commitment of Robin Slaw and Kelly Daniker to our children during this time. Thank you, Kelly and Robin, who is not here this morning because she is training our whole lives facilitators in Pennsylvania today. They've sought ways to care for and provide programming for and remain connected with families and children despite significant limitations. But now, as all our elementary and middle school-aged children are eligible for COVID vac vaccines, Kelly and Robin have developed a plan for reinvigorating the Sunday religious education programming with, beginning in January, two classes for elementary-aged children that will run concurrently with worship services and one evening class for middle schoolers. These are spaces that will provide opportunities for connection, renewed friendships, crafts, learning, but to make it work, we need a team of volunteers with the full support of Kelly and Robin, of course. Do you value what your own children have learned in Unitarian Universalist Sunday schools in the past? I certainly do. Have you observed the difference that it makes for young people to have communities of peers in which progressive values are reinforced? I have. 
and I bet you have too. In our child dedication ceremonies, we promise to welcome the child into our community, and we pledge to help create a community in which they can grow spiritually and be most fully who they can be. So you, adults of all ages and older teens too, are needed. Please offer a bit of your time once or twice a month beginning in January to provide an intentional space for our children to learn and connect and grow. You may talk with Kelly this morning, I think, right, Kelly? If you have questions, she's in the back and we'll be back after services. Or send Robin an email. And together, we can make this happen for the good of our community. Thank you. again and welcome to worship whether you're here in the sanctuary with us it's so great to see some of you here for the first time in two years and some who are here for the first time ever welcome and those of you joining us on zoom welcome to you too you can find the order of service online if you want to follow along the link is in the chat for those of you on zoom or you can use the qr code that appears here or around the room for those of you who are here in the sanctuary, if you need a hearing assist device, those are available from the sound booth. As Kristen said, please do complete a visitor form if you're a guest today so we can stay in touch. 
And also a reminder that early in today's service, we will honor personal joys and sorrows for members of the community. So if you have any that you wish to have shared, please write them in the book at the back of the sanctuary or send those by email to joysandsorrows at uucolumbia.net. And as always, we must say a hearty thank you to the staff and volunteers who make it possible for us to share a fully connected, engaged worship experience every week. Thank you all. Today is the first Sunday of December, and already we find ourselves deep in the heart of the winter holiday season, seeking light as we approach the heart of the winter solstice, lighting candles in observance of Hanukkah, which ends tomorrow, preparing for and anticipating Christmas Day. So much of the messaging in this season is about joy, seeking it, finding it, welcoming it, embracing it, experiencing it. And yet that seems like quite a challenge sometimes. So today in worship through poetry and song and reflection, we're inviting ourselves to open to the possibility of joy. Will you take a deep breath? Settle in and open yourself in mind, in heart, in body to this worship experience. Or Ben, would you like to light the chalice? And no is okay if you don't want to, but I'd love to have you do it. We dedicate our flaming chalice with these words written by Reverend Joe Cherry. Joy is hard. Joy is hard. Joy requires us to feel safe enough, to be safe enough, to open to vulnerability. To feel joy, you must be brave. Joy walks into a room after the space has been cleared. Cleared of shame, cleared of doubt, cleared of self-recrimination. Joy is hard. Joy is hard and joy is worth the hard work of preparation. Preparing oneself and setting down all the defenses, all the shoulds and could'ves, all the should-not-haves and might-haves. Joy is worth the work. You are worth the work. You can start small, the simple pleasure of your favorite tea, 
the grand freedom of a full belly laugh, and invite joy to be your companion. Will you please rise in body or in spirit? We're going to speak our covenant and greet one another and then sing together. But let's start first by speaking these words of covenant that we promise to and with each other. Strengthened by our common humanity and inspired by our seven principles, we promise to be a safe and welcoming community, to nurture each other's hearts and spirits, to delight in the beauty of our diversity, to struggle together on our spiritual journeys, and to challenge each other to live our values. Thus, we pledge our time and vigor to the continuing celebration of spirit, of the world, and of humankind. Now I'll invite you to greet one another here in the room or on Zoom. You can be on YouTube for a minute. Good morning, everyone. Hi, Flo. Don't have to do Hi, All right, let's sing. My name is Kelly Daniker. My pronouns are she and hers, and it is my joy to serve as the religious education assistant at the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of Columbia. As I was researching joy this week, I, of course, came across your typical article, How to Be Happy, 15 Science-Backed Ways to Bring More Joy into Your Life. And as you may expect, it offered some tips on how to bring more joy. Among the tips, 
journal about positive experiences at the end of your day, talk about the highlight of your day over dinner, and my personal favorite, think of three positive things in your life before you check your email. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Joy can feel a bit difficult to access. It can feel difficult for us to feel. There's a lot going on around us, a lot to process. The world around us feels in many ways unjust, unsafe, and uncertain. There's a lot of work for us to do in the world. And joy can feel like a privilege. But I would argue that what will sustain us on the long road ahead is our ability to seek out and more importantly to notice and stand in awe of our moments of joy, no matter how small. So several months ago, I had a seemingly small, unexpected moment of joy. I was standing in a grocery store line waiting, and the person ahead of me was paying. She was paying with cash, and I heard her say to the cashier, I'm so sorry, I'm a penny short. I reached into my pocket, I pulled out a penny, and I handed it to the cashier. They both stopped to look at me. And I swear, they were looking at me with a sort of awe. And then they smiled, and I smiled. And suddenly, we were standing together in the middle of joy. That tiny act in that moment was magnified into something else completely. Suddenly, I felt as if I was a sort of magician, presenting the magic of Kelly Daniker, who will now make a penny appear out of thin air. We have here an empty box. Ooh, let me if we can make a penny up here. Would you all wave your hands over the magic box? <gasps> oh, my word. And out, it is there. <laughs> Who knew that would be the hardest part of the trick, right? And out comes the penny. When I made that penny appear in the grocery store, I thought nothing of it until I saw it reflected back to me by other people. It became something else. I suddenly thought, you know what? You're right. I am a magician. <laughs> so the three of us stood there, took some time to stand in awe of a penny, and because we did, it was magnified and became joy. We have so much work left to do in the world. Joy is a necessary component of the work we are called to do. It reminds us of what is good and worth fighting for. So grab a hold of it wherever you find it. Create it out of thin air. Stand in awe of it. Notice the magic. Thank you, Kelly. Helena, would you like to help me with joys and sorrows? Yeah? Would you? Drop one stone in the water every time I say somebody's name. Thank you. So during worship each week, not only do we give voice to personal joys and sorrows within our community, but we also, as Helen is going to help us do this morning, drop individual stones into a communal bowl of water. These will represent the way that each of our lives and each of our stories ripples out into our community and is held in our loving embrace. During the music meditation that will follow the prayer and reflection, you who are worshiping here in the sanctuary are invited to come forward, including any children who are here, and 
place your own stones, honoring your own personal joys and sorrows in silence. And one more, Helena. This one is for everything that remains unspoken among us, but is still in your hearts. Thank you. As we hold all that we have heard, I invite you to settle into a space of prayer and reflection we're going to share a few moments of silence first, and then I'm going to offer words of blessing titled Benach, or Blessing, written by John O'Donohue. Let us enter a space of prayer and reflection. On the day when the weight deadens on your shoulders and you stumble, may the clay dance to balance you. And when your eyes freeze behind the gray window and the ghost of loss gets into you, may a flock of colors, indigo, red, green, and azure blue, come to awaken in you a meadow of delight. When the canvas frays in the curragh of thought and a stain of ocean blackens beneath you, may there come across the waters a path of yellow moonlight to bring you safely home. May the nourishment of the earth be yours. May the clarity of light be yours 
May the fluency of the ocean be yours. May the protection of the ancestors be yours. And so may a slow wind work these words of love around you, an invisible cloak to mind your life. Amen. As you heard earlier, after worship today, members of UUCC will gather for a brief congregational meeting called for the sole purpose of voting on the ordination of Laura Solomon. One of Laura's many gifts is the gift of her writing. She's a poet. So I asked her to offer one of her own poems today, one that speaks to our theme of opening to joy in spite of it all. Here is Laura Solomon reading her own poem, Praise Song. This poem is called Praise Song. This is a song of praise. 
There is no singing or talk of God. This is the broken open praise, the searching for breath praise, the looking for a moment to still grieving this world, angry, righteous, passionate praise without object. This is the gritty praise of living in a world on fire. But this is a praise song. We stand tiptoe on the precipice, devastated and afraid. Hopeless, angry, frightened, we are lost and in denial. This is our country and we its citizens. There is no sugarcoating this. But this is a praise song. We live this gorgeous improbability of a world knowing tomorrow will come and will not comfort us. So this is a praise song of we who are not enough. We who deny our holy, we whose holy is denied, we divine ourselves, bless the anger that keeps us here, firm our feet, reach our hands and glory our survival. We glory the possibility, glory our despair as we dance our grief, we praise our hands, our movement, our breath. We praise our grounding, our thinking, our flying. We praise our resisting, our weeping, our not alone in this fiery, bitter, holied here. We praise. And we invite you to praise with your gifts as we offer them in sacrifice to the work of this congregation in the world. I invite you to be generous as your offerings are now freely given and very gratefully received, either digitally with the instructions you'll see on the screen or in the basket in the back of the sanctuary. Thank you.
Last Sunday in our worship service about gratitude, UUCC member John Harris stood here and said, when I was asked to tell what I was grateful or give thanks for, my first reaction was to laugh. For all that is going on in the US and the world today, I said to myself, I am not grateful. Many of us laughed in recognition and solidarity with John. But then he continued, the truth is, I have a lot to be grateful for. One of Adrian Marie Brown's principles of emergent strategy is that what you pay attention to grows. What you pay attention to grows. And we have choices about where to direct our attention. Just as John chose to look for things to be grateful for, despite it all. Now, see, I don't endorse the sentiment that a person can simply choose happiness or choose joy. Too often, those admonitions seem to be promoted by those whose relative good fortune is disproportionately great, whose experiences of loss and hardship and hunger, whether literal or fig figurative, are minimal, for whom happiness is more easily identified and accessed. Too often, the admonition to choose happiness ignores the barriers that prevent some among us from seeing, much less reaching, the happiness that is theoretically available. It's like advising someone without boots to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. And it is also true that nearly everyone has some measure of agency and choice about where to direct their attention, about whether to be open to possibilities for joy and happiness. As Viktor Frankl, survivor of the Holocaust, famously wrote in Man's Search for Meaning, everything can be taken from a person but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. And still, I resist admonitions that feel like shoulds for our feelings. You should feel happy. You should feel angry about what that person said to you. You should feel joyful. You should see the positive side of things. You should feel sad about a certain person's death. Should, should, should. Feelings don't follow rules. And what we pay attention to grows. I love the line in Laura's praise song that says, we glory the possibility. We divine ourselves, bless the anger that keeps us here, firm our feet, reach our hands, and glory our survival. We glory the possibility. Am I going to tell you you should be happy, joyful, positive? No, I am not. Might I suggest that you can choose to believe there's the possibility of joy, of happiness, of positive changes? 
Yes. What we pay attention to grows. In the introduction of a different book titled Pleasure Activism, a book in which she reinforces some of those emergent strategy principles, Adrienne Marie Brown states a list of intentions for readers of this book, Pleasure Activism. Some of those intentions are to recognize that pleasure is a measure of freedom and to create more room for joy, wholeness, and aliveness, and less room for oppression, repression, self-denial, and unnecessary suffering in your life. And to identify strategies beyond denial or repression for navigating pleasure. Pleasure, she says, is a measure of freedom one of the things that I value about this book of hers is that it's not merely a promotion of hedonism, although she does celebrate the value of pleasure for pleasure's sake, but that it promotes the pursuit and experience of pleasure as an expression of and a measure of one's freedom. Life is meant not merely to be survived, but to be enjoyed. Pleasure and happiness and joy, those are the reasons we invest ourselves in the work of justice and peace and freedom, because every human deserves access to joy. Pleasure Activism is a book written especially for black women and others whose experiences have too often been characterized by marginalization, shame, systemic oppression, those who haven't had access to real pleasure or who have been shamed for their pleasure. And Brown writes, true pleasure, joy, happiness, satisfaction, has been the force that helps us move beyond the constant struggle, that helps us live and generate futures beyond this dystopic present, futures worthy of our miraculous lives. Pleasure, she says, embodied, connected pleasure is one of the ways we know when we are free, that we are always free, that we have the power to co-create the world. Pleasure helps us move through the times that are unfair, through grief and loneliness, through the terror of genocide, or days when the demands are just overwhelming. Pleasure heals the places where our hearts and spirit get wounded. Pleasure reminds us that even in the dark, we are alive. Pleasure is a medicine for the suffering that is absolutely promised in life. The world is a mess. We know this, a pandemic and its management that has disrupted so much that was previously familiar, taken for granted, about how we live our lives in community. Political divisions that are so entrenched that we wonder if any real progress will ever be made. Queer kids and librarians and other educators in our own progressive school district being maligned. 
women's rights threatened here in the United States, wars and hunger and rampant illness in places with inadequate access to resources. The world is a mess. And our attention is needed there to promote freedom, to right the wrongs, to make spaces truly safe for all our children. But our attention is needed not only there, because there's also beauty and pleasure and joy to be known and celebrated in the touch of a lover's hand, in the sight of a blooming holiday cactus, in moments of raucous, irreverent laughter, in the happily ever after of a novel or a film enjoyed just because, in the consumption of food, in the building of a new structure to hold books or houseplants, in the creation of music and other art or a delicious meal, there is pleasure and joy. It's possible. This is the gritty praise of living in a world on fire, Laura, the poet, says. We live in this gorgeous improbability of a world knowing tomorrow will come and will not comfort us. We divine ourselves, bless the anger that keeps us here, firm our feet, reach our hands, and glory our survival. We glory the possibility. Where for you is the possibility of joy? How might you turn your attention there? Open yourself to it. In what possibility might you glory? Adrienne Marie Brown writes that a central aspect of pleasure activism is tapping into the natural abundance that exists within and between us, between our species and this planet. Pleasure is not one of the spoils of capitalism. It's what our bodies, our human systems are structured for. It's the aliveness and awakening, the gratitude and humility the joy and celebration of being miraculous. You are miraculous. Go out and find yourself some pleasure today. Be open to it. Turn your attention toward the possibility of joy and glory. The worry and anxiety and uncertainty are not despite Kelly's magic going to magically disappear. But maybe just, maybe more joy will come. What we pay attention to grows. So may it be. Amen. Will you rise in body or in spirit, and let's join in singing these three verses of Joyful is the Dark.
Before I read the words of benediction, a reminder that all of you who are voting members of the congregation, please don't go anywhere. We're going to ask those of you in the room to move a little bit toward the front so you're closer to the podium where uh, Colette will be conducting the meeting. Those of you in Zoom, we're going to have you participate too, so just sit tight. I did see in the chat people requesting the poem I read for the prayer. We will post it on the, with the sermon archive. Nobody needs to go looking for it because I got it right here. Um, and now, I offer you words from the collection of poetry titled The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, an excerpt from On Joy and Sorrow. Your joy is your sorrow unmasked, and the self-same well from which your laughter rises was oftentimes filled with your tears. How else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? And is not the lute that soothes your spirit the very wood that was hollowed with knives? Some of you say joy is greater than sorrow. And others say, nay, sorrow is the greater. But I say unto you, they are inseparable. Together they come, and when one sits alone with you at your board, remember that the other is asleep upon your bed. Be well, all. Will you rise once more and join in singing this benediction response? from Isaiah 55, for you shall go out in joy.
Joy, 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 joy,